Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taport. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 15 of Crack the Customer Code. Today we're talking about when bad customer service can still yield business success. And Matt Ward will be joining us to talk about customer experience through the lens of startups. And we've got a customer zero story about a certain academic theory that may not be very customer focused. But first, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on at Customers That Stick. I want to make sure you check out our e-newsletter, The Customer Conversation. Customer Conversation brings great customer service and customer experience content right to your inbox, totally free. You'll get a number of resources when you sign up and early access to information on the launch of my new book, Be Your Customer's Hero. Go to CustomerEbook.com, CustomerEbook.com. So Jeannie. Yes. Can you have bad customer service and still have a successful business? I think it's a great question. We talk a lot about how great customer service and an exceptional customer experience will lift business results in the way that everybody wants. But we don't always ask ourselves this question about can bad customer service yield business success? I think it's an interesting thing to explore because there are certain examples out there. Yeah. I mean, I've actually written about this topic before and it's one of those things where you don't want to say it when you're in the customer service, customer experience business. But the reality is if you sort of look at it macroeconomically, Certain industries aren't that competitive. And in those industries where they have captive customers, for instance, how many people are happy with their cable company? (laughs) This is, you know, this is what you look at. And if you look at industry by industry, you know, airlines, which is a little more competitive, banking, cable, utilities, government, which is a monopoly, you tend to get these bad customer service results and get companies that are still thriving as even you know regardless of it. But I would argue that there is a shift happening long term and I think some of the industries that used to be able to basically get away with anything regarding how they treated their customers they've had to change. They have had to evolve simply because you know we're seeing a lot more competition. The barriers to entry into some of these industries are not what they used to be. So you you see certain examples like Ryanair in Ireland who basically used to say, we don't care about customer service. That's not our model. And then suddenly their numbers started going down and and they came out with this whole thing, this whole press blitz about how they are a customer experience company now and they're going to treat their customers better. So I think it's easy to look at things in a short-term model and not understand that there's long-term risk to treating people poorly. And customers have more control now. We have bigger voices. Oh, absolutely. And there's definitely a shift in a lot of industries and also with a lot of companies that are realizing that long-term, if, if we don't set the pattern now, if we don't set those relationships now, we're going to pay for it. You know, when, when cable starts getting chipped away by every different kind of technological you know, innovation and change, yep. they're going to you know, wish they had these customer relationships. Right, right. Well, it's it's a good thing to talk about today because we're going to talk to somebody today who is actually part of this evolution of how we deal with funding companies and customer relationships. So I think it's time to welcome our guest. Yeah, let's welcome Matt Ward, host of Art of the Kickstart, a podcast and blog geared towards crowdfunding success. Matt Ward works as a Kickstarter and business consultant, helping entrepreneurs and startups grow. He also just released his $16 million Crowdfund Academy course, a step-by-step proven Kickstarter framework on Udemy. 
Make sure to check out the show notes for a special offer for Crack the Customer Code listeners. How are you doing today, Matt? I am doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on today, Adam. Oh, we're glad to have you. Now, one thing I find really interesting about crowdfunding and Kickstarter is that from the standpoint of customer experience, you know, the customers are also sort of investors and founders. So what do you think startups should consider about the, uh, their customer experience? I think crowdfunding is the perfect thing to look at when you're looking at customer experience, but because it, it's completely different, the same with the inst- entire startup world, completely different than typical big business because you're getting on the level with the customers. This You check out successful Kickstarter campaigns, and what do they do? They connect with their customers on a really unique level by showcasing their product and the story around their actual startup. People get involved with that. They feel like a part of it. You're not just a Nike, a Microsoft, whatever. People can connect. And I think that's that's kind of at the core of what you're asking. I got a little too excited there. <laughs> well, I think it's great because a lot of this is about kind of including customers in the dawn of the experience and really ha- having them help craft what it will be. But what do you recommend to keep those funders long-term uh, still kind of invested emotionally in the experience. What do you recommend around that? That is the challenge, and that's the challenge a lot of the Kickstarters I interview face. Either you become a big company and you start to lose your founders, or you stay small and never seem to grow. Some companies, though, they do it well. And I think what you need to do is really to have a focus not just on growth, but on remembering where you've been. So a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, they'll show a schedule, a timeline, so people can feel like they're a part of the startup from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then even through that, after that, having updates for backers saying, guys, our our product's not ready yet. (laughs) Manufacturing issues. It's still coming. We promise. Connecting with people, trying to have focused events, focused social sharing, things along those lines where people continue to stay involved. Another thing that I think is really important is Email marketing and autoresponders. I've actually gotten into doing this for some Kickstarter clients because after you start that, you build that business, you want to add lifetime value. You want to keep people pulled into your brand. They get really excited about a product you create, but you've got to keep them there. Otherwise, they're going to forget. So Mm -hmm. having those email newsletters that are sharing what's new with a startup, what's happening with you guys, where you're going next, that's what customers love. Well, and I think, you know, Matt, I hear about crowdfunding a lot for technology products and things that are manufactured. And there was actually something in my town here in Oak Park, Illinois, where uh, they wanted to open a really specialized kind of butcher shop with all, you know, grass-fed, very organic type of thing. And they did it through crowdfunding. And I thought that was really interesting because the town got really excited about this new presence in the town and they were willing to support it. And instead of giving... Um, in, instead of feeling like an investor, some of what they did for the perks were like a free sandwich once we open. <laughs> and I thought it was really clever. And so I, I'm wondering, do you see any limits to what crowdfunding could be a part of? Not really, because when you look at the two, there's two real aspects to crowdfunding. There's your traditional rewards-based crowdfunding, which is like Kickstarter, Indiegogo. It's what we're all familiar with. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other side, i.e. the Jobs Act, which is equity crowdfunding, where people actually start to become part of the startup and get 
equity-based funding or, or equity-based uh, investment in the startup. So between those two, crowdfunding has massive potential. It's really starting to take off in what people are using it for, from launching restaurants, which is actually why I made that course in the first place we were talking about, to just creating incredibly insane products that even big brands aren't willing or able to tackle. There's just so many different things coming out of inventor and entrepreneur's minds that mm-hmm. crowdfunding allows you to do. You don't have to go to a VC, an angel, to get money. You can find people and pre-sell your idea. Or if you've got something that's not a physical product, you can find other ways, other interesting ways like the free sandwich or I will write you the greatest thank you note ever or whatever kind <laughs> of rewards you want to you wanna frame it as. People do those creative rewards. Those really help you. Well, that's awesome, Matt. And one thing, I know you've got a whole course that digs deep into sort of what people should do with crowdfunding. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to give one piece of advice to somebody trying to launch their you know, whatever initiative or company through uh, crowdfunding, what would that be? I think you need to start learning and then just stop. Stop learning and run because unless you start going forward and fail, you're never going to get anywhere. And that's the big challenge I see. The big difference between people who actually make something incredible and people who just kind of fall flat are the people that start going. You start going and it's much easier to change direction once you're already doing it. You've got momentum. You see that you're getting certain feedback from backers. You're getting certain feedback from customers on what is good, what isn't good with your product. That's beautiful about crowdfunding is you're essentially launching with almost no startup or overhead costs. So you can just throw it out there. It's the lean startup evolution, which means that it's even easier to get feedback, change your product, completely change directions. And a lot of Kickstarters do that. They ask backers for advice. So I would say start going out there and just do it because – I mean, listening to podcasts is great, but eventually it's time to start creating. <laughs> well, we would we would argue you can listen to podcasts and be creating, right? <laughs> At the same time, exactly. Oh, absolutely. You go for that. You go for that triple X speed. That's what I always do. Um, so, one question I have: it, these are great ideas about how crowdfunding and how Kickstarter projects include customers. What advice do you think any organization who maybe isn't in the field of actually crowdsourcing, what do you wish the more traditional companies would learn from these types of organizations about how to include their customers better? I think traditional companies suck when it comes to personality. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll just keep it, we'll keep it all PG as long as we can. <laughs> they suck. So it's just this massive corporation and it's, you have no connection whatsoever. You don't know you might know a person who works there. You don't know the founder, the CEO. You don't know, even know the story. Heck, most people don't even know where Nike came from, that it was a pair of mm-hmm. waffle iron-based shoes from a track <laughs> coach forever ago. But see, that's the thing that you can do differently. That If you really want to set yourself apart, you want to build an unfair advantage, I think it's putting personality into your business. So whether you're a startup or you're someone that's actually got a big, sizable, successful business, by letting people see the guys and girls behind what's happening in there and talking a bit more about the story, not just saying we're an incredible company and we've been around for a hundred years, but really going out there and sharing not just the incredible successes, but also the failures that the company's been through and how they've weathered on. That's the kind of stuff that people connect to. They can feel a little bit more relation to. And I think that's what people need to hear. That's great. That is great stuff, Matt. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming and talking with us. Where can folks find you on the internet? 
So the best place for people to come check me out is artofthekickstart.com. We've got a podcast, uh, 100 or so interviews at this point, a massive blog on crowdfunding. And for your listeners, if they go to artofthekickstart.com slash ccc, cracking the customer code, you guys can get a free guide that will walk you through Kickstarter success. If you really want to take it to the next level, artofthekickstart.com slash customer code. That's the Udemy course, $250 off, guys. Check it out. That's how you fund a campaign. That's great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for being here with us, and thanks for all the offers for our listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. Go make something amazing, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. So I really enjoyed talking to Matt about crowdfunding because one of the things you and I have been discussing lately, Jeannie, is corporate ownership and the idea of stakeholders versus shareholders and the idea of maximizing shareholder value. And I think that takes us right into our customer hero, customer zero. Today we have a customer zero about an entire academic theory. And it's this idea that maximizing shareholder value has to be number one. And really, when we think about business and what that means and being a small business, we want to make sure that we have profit, right? That's number one. Profit is how we pay our bills. It's how we get things done. It's how we invest in the future of our companies. So when you look at how our society is built now around profit, Some of these large companies have to deliver so much return to their shareholders that that becomes a huge priority, possibly at the sacrifice of focusing on customers. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things is you're always going to want every firm has to be profitable, right? We're both small business owners, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. But it's a question of what is the ultimate goal of the firm? Right. You know, some firms say it's to serve our customers. Now, is that true to the extent that they're not profitable? I don't know. Sounds good on a bumper sticker, right? <laughs> but, you know, maximizing shareholder value is a pervasive theory that's taught in business schools now. And what we're seeing is there's so many cons to looking at the world that way of organizations saying that is our sole purpose, devoid of any other purposes and goals, that there's actually been a backlash among some really big people. And, you know, we should take a look at some of the cons. But one of the things I want to point out is the people that are coming out against this, like Jack Welch of GE, John Mackey of Whole Foods, Mark Benioff of Salesforce. I mean, these are people that are running huge organizations that understand that this theory gets you focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very short term. And I think I was involved with a client once who was a Fortune 50 company. So we're talking a huge, massive organization. And they were so focused on quarterly shareholder returns, that every goal was basically directed that way. And so you can imagine that goals shifted pretty quickly if the returns didn't come in that quarter, which means you've already invested in something and then suddenly you have to shift direction again. But it got so bad that they realized that they weren't really considering customers and they were getting lots of complaints and they were starting to realize that customers had a bigger voice and they were losing credibility essentially. And so what they did to solve it, I I just, it struck me as so odd. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? They, they made these little felt blankets that said the word customer on them and they started draping them around chairs in people's offices and in conference rooms. And the idea was you were supposed to think about the customer sitting across from you. But 
basically they were very conflicted with this because somebody who's supposed to be considering the customer was still being held accountable for these very short-term returns and that's how they got rewarded as individuals. So there was no way to resolve that conflict for them by just saying, well, no, you're supposed to think about the customer. And pretty soon those blankets got very dusty and very ignored. <laughs> well, yeah, because we talk about, you know, the idea of all these customer centric initiatives and some are for real and some aren't and executive buy in. I mean, that's window dressing, right? Mm -hmm. You throw the blanket on the chair. Yeah, yeah. Remember the customers over there. Now, how are you going to make your numbers this quarter? Exactly. Exactly. Right? And that's what happens in the meeting. And you end up with, I don't know if you're familiar with this term called bad profits, right? Bad profits. Bad profits. I thought which all I profits are good. How can they be bad? Well, you know, there's that, that's the short-term versus long-term distinction you just made, which is bad profits are sort of like the used car salesman. Mm. He gets every dollar he can out of you in that one transaction. You know, it's the difference between transactional and relational. Mm -hmm. What he can I do to get you out into you. a car today? <laughs> Isn't that what they all say? What can I do? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's and that's bad profits. And that's what happens a lot of times with these companies is they're so focused on squeezing every nickel out of that quarter, mm -hmm. cutting back on customer service. It's about extracting value instead of creating value. And I think that there's a lot to be said about we as customers now are looking for long-term value being created and the best companies innovate in really amazing ways. And that's what customers respond to. But it's really hard to innovate when you're only focused on this short-term idea of quarterly returns. Right. I think it's a balance. And I think it really is about figuring out how to maximize profits and still create good culture and still create great customer experiences. And it's going to be different for every firm, but it's a question of looking for it. Well, looking for it and also telling your story and getting the right people behind you. If you have shareholders who believe in this long-term view, they're going to be a lot more supportive if you have a little dip in one quarter, if they know it's part of a longer-term strategy. If you're continuing to talk about, here's what we're going to do for you this quarter and next quarter, and that's it then you're going to attract those types of investors and those people will not want to support you long-term. So tell your story, be who you are and find the right people to support you. And we're now going to retitle this segment, Why Genie Will Never Work on Wall Street. <laughs> you think there was any question? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a great show. Thanks for joining us for episode 15 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Tepork, and my website is customersthatstick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360connects.com. More episodes and the show notes are available at crackthecustomercode.com. Please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review so others can find our show. And tell someone you know. We love word of mouth referrals. So until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.